0: everybody i'm ian and i'm sam welcome to do i like this the podcast yay (laughs) where i bring sam movies that i love and hope that she still loves me after
1: (laughs) i can't think of anything to say
0: that's okay so before we dive into this one i just think
1: do not spill that on my grandma's couch
0: that's why i have the fancy
1: desk she will haunt you you're lucky she's not gonna haunt you from the way you're sitting on it and bending her cushions they're wonderful cushions. Thank you, Grandma H. We should write a movie about a grandma who haunts people who mess up her perfect, pristine, 35-year-old couches.
0: Or other heirlooms that they, they get from her.
1: Nobody steal that idea.
0: <laughs> Copyright via my mouth.
1: So this week we did Snow Beast. Snow Beast. How appropriate because there's a lovely blizzard outside.
0: Actually, right before we started recording tonight here in New York, it is the first legit Blizzard of the year.
1: Snowbeast was made in 2013. It felt like it was more early 2000s, but 2013.
0: I think 2013 was when I last saw it, too, because I remember when this came out.
1: Because it was on TV, right? It was sci-fi. Ugh. I know it was a TV movie. I'm assuming it was sci-fi.
0: I mean, it's got all the feel of a sci-fi movie from that era.
1: I mean, the budget seemed bigger than their normal fare, though. They
0: Jeremy London for like four scenes. Yeah. Strong budget.
1: Right. We'll get to that. <laughs> I have some things to say about that. We streamed it on IMDb TV.
0: Which you can get through going straight to IMDb.com or Amazon Prime is has a connection to it, to IMDb TV. So
1: Yeah, it's an app.
0: I think it's on Tubi as well. There's multiple ways you can watch it.
1: So should we just jump right in?
0: I don't have any business of yet. So yeah, why don't we jump right in?
1: This movie also jumps right in with a snowboarding montage. And I wrote, is this going to be an extreme sports movie? Because it's right around was sort of the height of the X Games, right?
0: Definitely during the X Games phases. Yeah.
1: So it was a snowboarding montage that was way too long.
0: I was stunned by how long that went.
1: There are multiple times in this movie where I wrote too long.
0: I noticed in the snowboarding montage, they gave slow motion shots of guys doing very, very basic snowboarding. Like, not even tricks, but they were filming them like they were doing tricks. When, I'm like,
1: I jumped up and came down, it was probably all they could afford. I get it. It also was just dude shredding. There was no credits, there was nothing going on that made this scene useful. In a couple
0: points I wrote, this plus some later, is this a tourism video for
1: Canada? <laughs> right. Because I didn't read any of the blurb or anything. I just mm-hmm. jumped right in because I, I don't have a ton of time when our child is napping or sleeping. So I just kind of get her done. I thought originally that it was maybe the Rocky Mountains or a Utah resort or something. And I'm assuming this is a ski resort movie. It happens mm-hmm. at a ski resort. Nothing takes place. At a ski resort for the rest of the movie. I think they drive by it. That's it. Yeah, they're in the parking lot.
0: Oh, yeah, for one scene with the daughter later.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am very disappointed.
0: I would have been totally down if this was a ski resort movie. Those are fun.
1: One of many underutilized parts of this movie, which we will also get into so snowboarding montage random snowboarder goes over a cliff and wipes out and he's all alone and so i wrote first victim
0: 100 percent gonna be first victim yeah absolutely they spent five minutes setting this up which they could have done in 20 seconds
1: they didn't need all of that to get to here so then you hear a a very almost imperceptible growl like a
0: did you have the closed captioning on in this film
1: no, because I had to watch it on IMDb on the YouTube in the kitchen while I was making cookies.
0: One thing I will note is every time you hear that, because you'll hear that growl again, it says in full caps, growl with an exclamation point. <laughs> and I was listening to it. and I didn't have the volume too high. So I actually read it before I heard the growl.
1: Growl with an exclamation point is more than what we got from the monster.
0: Another thing to note on the closed captioning in this film, it's about three seconds before every line. You see the line pop up on the screen, which really bothered me because it takes all the fun out of it.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I didn't see it then. So then we get flashes of white fur. So someone's basically... Okay, listen. This is not the first scene in which it looks like someone takes a very fluffy white bath mat and throws it across the screen.
0: So this white fur, when you say flashes... Oh my god, it's like the Flash is wearing white fur.
1: <laughs> it's ridiculous. Then we get that weird monster point of view. Oh, I call it
0: Snow Beast heat vision.
1: Yeah, but it wasn't heat vision. It was oily lens flare vision.
0: It was just monster vision, and they didn't have any reason for it to be that way. That just was.
1: And again, this whole scene with the growling flashes and whatnot was way too long.
0: You know, it's funny. It was really only like a three-minute scene, but it felt like a 20-minute scene.
1: And I wrote, and this was minutes into the movie, Mm -hmm. why is everything too long? Because the thing kept flashing and growling, and then the guy would look around like, uh, uh." it happened for too long.
0: I'm going back to what we said in Bloody Bill. They needed to get to 90 minutes.
1: It almost felt like they needed to get their money's worth and put every single shot that they shot into it. Similar to Bloody Bill, but not quite as noticeable.
0: And with less repeats.
1: After that super long stalking, I guess, the Beast is doing.
0: So the guy finally sees it starts running away from the Snow Beast. Uh, A trend that will continue this movie. He's great on snow for a few seconds, and then once he falls down, he can't get back up.
1: There's lots of falling.
0: Anyway, Snow Beast corners him, and then...
1: So the Snow Beast fake paw slaps the guy. Doesn't slap him. It's one of those hits that you can tell it, he didn't actually hit him oh, yeah. and nothing happens. And then he does the same hit again, which makes it seem like it was two different takes maybe. Oh, and okay. the second hit, a bunch of blood flies out.
0: I loved right before he hit him, you got the snow beast face and the guy's ski goggles. It was a great shot.
1: And I could tell by that shot that I was going to be disappointed by how the snow beast looks.
0: I love how the snow beast looks. What are you, you talking would. about? you would. we'll get to that
1: <laughs> so then we get the title card
0: hold on i, I do want to just say uh i called it and i will repeat it because he has three moves this is the snow beast bitch slap
1: he does do it fairly often so we get the snow beast title card it's like bam and out which is fine i like that yeah. that makes me happy there they spend too much time elsewhere spending too much time doing nothing so you know make it snappy Now we go into a home. There's a dad and a daughter. They're packing. We get her name right away, thank goodness.
0: I wrote that down too.
1: Yeah. Emmy. Emmy. Apparently, she's been suspended from school for punching a girl. The day before her dad goes on a trip. Right. And so he's going to Canada for biological research of some kind.
0: Which we'll learn more
1: about. Right. She's angsty and whatever.
0: She's got a purple stripe in her blonde hair. Teenager movies. Portray them.
1: So I wrote here, that dad is a famous-ish actor. I'll Google him later. And then halfway through, I realized he's Beau Duke from the Dukes of Hazard, And he's been in so much random shit over the years.
0: I knew he was an unknown a- actor. I also knew he was phoning it in from the beginning.
1: Oh, so the acting in this movie is not a problem. No. It's not bad at all, especially compared to everything we've already seen.
0: But he's just genuinely not trying to deliver some of these lines.
1: He's a little disinterested. Yeah. Kind of aloof, but really not bad.
0: No, he's still, like, if you're not watching this with a critical eye, you don't even notice it.
1: And I think it kind of serves the character as being sort of laid back, doing his thing. You know, no no one in this movie has a very good emotional range, except for Rob, who we'll get to, who... I, at first, I was Rob. irritated by Rob.
0: I love and Rob. And to the
1: audience, we will get to this, but I'm talking to Ian right now, and so you're listening to it. He is introduced later as one of the research assistants.
0: Part of the dad whose name is Jim, which we don't get forever in this right. movie.
1: I wrote down when we get it.
0: He's part of Jim's team. Jim leads it. There's Rob, and there's another. there's a woman as well.
1: Let's just get to it because it's right here. Okay. Dad is a research scientist. And so I wrote, so let's see how badly they fuck up science. No,
0: they they didn't really fuck up science. I was really happy.
1: They fucked up a little bit of science when they were talking about maybe it's a bear.
0: Yeah. All right. We'll get to that.
1: So then we get some mountain vistas that I'm sure will be reused 20 times, but they were only reused like 10 times.
0: I enjoyed every time they had mountain vistas for the first like 20 minutes of the movie. It was like the NBC Olympics music was playing.
1: The music in this was so bizarre.
0: The horns and the dun 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 dun
1: dun. Yes, it did not fit the rest of the movie. It was awesome. So I thought it was like a, a promotional Canadian trailer. We get introduced to the dad, whose name is Jim, which we'll get later. His partners, Rob and Marcy, who yearly, for at least four years, we get later have been going up to this cabin in Canada to research links. And I was confused what they were tracking. I have it written down here when I mm-hmm. do finally figure it out. Here I just wanted to note, yay for giving us character names. It made me so happy.
0: I love it. I thought they were married at first. They're not.
1: I did too. No, they're not at all.
0: Because they were talking, they meet up, they're in like, they pick them up in a truck and they're driving together
1: like, this is Rob and Marcy. And I'm like, oh, Rob and Marcy, the couple.
0: And Rob's like, yeah, we'll be fine. It'll be a good time this cabin as long as Marcy isn't cooking. And like, I was like, oh, the banter of like a married couple.
1: Right. They make it a thing in this movie that Marcy's a bad cook and that Rob is full of useless information and it's kind of a doofus. I don't understand why they did that. They don't
0: really pay off in any way whatsoever.
1: No. If anything, it did a disservice to Rob's character, who winds up being the best character in the movie, by the way.
0: Oh, and it's like there's Rob and then you could fall down a flight of stairs to the next best character,
1: which I think is Emmy. I don't think so.
0: Or this actually, no, back. let me take it back. it's the snow beast.
1: It's the Rangers as a pair.
0: OK, yeah. OK, yeah. Fair enough.
1: Who were very underutilized. Yeah, we'll get to that. So they give them these weird character traits, which, like you said, don't pay off in any way. And I think it was maybe to give them like character development or whatever. It just was annoying because I kept looking for why Mm -hmm. that mattered. They kept going like, oh, Rob, he knows all this weird stuff. So I'm like, oh, at the end, he's going to have some weird revelation and save the day, right? Well, he does save the day in a way, but not that way.
0: Not using trivial information.
1: So then they're all in the car. They're having some random car banter. We skipped
0: over a major thing. Jim's forced Emmy to come with them.
1: Oh, yeah, that's pretty important. Okay, so, so they're all in the car now, all four of them. They're in a truck, and they have a little car banter about what they're doing in Canada, which is tracking links. I still don't know if they tell us at this point because I didn't hear it. Then Emmy looks out the window and goes, what is that? And it shows you that she's looking at a ski lift and a mountain with skiers. And I'm like, she's never seen a ski lift in mountains? Oh, yeah. And then she says, oh, can we go skiing? I'm like, bitch. You don't even know how to ski. You don't even know what a mountain is. Great. Right. So bizarre.
0: I did enjoy how, right after that, <laughs> this falls with the tourism ch- theme. Rob delivers the, Did you guys know over 15 million people ski and snowboard in North America? And Jim goes, Fascinating. Lady <laughs> <laughs> like Dead Pandit is not trying. Nailed that line for me.
1: They set up that they have two snowmobiles. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to what I'm pretty sure are like park rangers or something. They're not the police. So we have a younger one and an older one, evidenced by the older one calling the younger one kid. They're hanging missing posters. The older one doesn't really care. The younger one.
0: He still has the bright eyes of optimism.
1: And I wrote, he's familiar too. Oh, wait, it's T.S. Quint from Mallrats.
0: Yeah, it's Jeremy London.
1: Right. I knew it was a London brother. I just didn't know which one. And so that's, that's set up. And then we cut away, unfortunately, because they were a little bit of comic relief, a little bit of fun.
0: I thought they were going to be a major part of the film. Me too. Because Jeremy London, in my mind, is the second biggest actor in this film, if not the first.
1: Not to mention, how much more fun would this movie have been if the Rangers had a larger part?
0: The Rangers and Rob would have made me real happy as a team.
1: Rob was totally utilized appropriately. The Rangers were very much underutilized.
0: I almost feel like the Rangers were there for one scene early on to show that there's a bunch of people missing in one area, and they only kept them a little longer because they paid Jeremy London enough money, so they needed to shoot him a couple different scenes.
1: They set up stuff with those two that is coming in our little synopsis here that I really expected to pay off, and nothing came of it, and I'm very disappointed. What could have been? Right. So we get the group of four arriving at their remote cabin, and Emmy is surprised at the remoteness. She's going to fucking Canadian Rockies with a bunch of scientists. What did she expect?
0: What she got was a glorious cabin.
1: Right. So there's no cell service. The satellite is, quote, sketchy. This is obviously a setup for something. The dad asks Emily to help with, or Emmy, sorry, to help with food. She retorts something about, that's why mom split, blah, blah, blah.
0: Something along the lines of, Emmy, you got to take some responsibility and chip in around here. And she's like, that's what you said to mom right before she left us. And I was like, cold.
1: Yeah, I wrote, great, she's a jerk. Then it's established that Emmy might have a crush on Rob she's very creepy in this scene, and he's just a clumsy weirdo.
0: So we should distinguish. Rob is probably in his late 30s, mid 30s to early 40s. Emmy's 16.
1: Yeah, well, she's supposed to be. She looks like she's about 20, but whatever. That's not the point. We never get how old she is. We just get that she's still in school. So her dad yells at her, tells her to knock it off, tells her Rob's not interested. And then he goes to Rob, you're not interested. And Rob is just like... And he falls on the floor. (laughs) What was that? I
0: love that. I don't know what it was, but it was wonderful. It's just
1: setting him up to be a clumsy weirdo, which doesn't come to anything either because he winds up not being clumsy.
0: I almost wonder if he like accidentally slipped. They're like, that's perfect. Leave it in.
1: I doubt it. So then we see Marcy's outside messing with the satellite. And then her and the dad, who at this point I still did not have this name, so I just keep calling him dad. They are having a little heart-to-heart on the porch, and I wrote, are they together?
0: I wrote, dad's going to bang Marcy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because she puts it out there hard.
1: So we get that the mom that left, her name is Kim, and he can't figure out why Emmy is so angsty. And it's like, you can't? Her mom left, disappeared, hasn't sent word of any kind, but you can't figure out why she's angry. And Marcy kind of tells him, like, you need to get it together and you need to move on. And I wrote, they're going to bang.
0: I don't understand how we got the ex-wife who's not in this movie's name before we got the dad's name.
1: Listen, I was really hoping that all of this ex-wife disappearing talk was going to lead to her being the Snow Beast.
0: Or being, like, in the Snow Beast cave killed by right. the Snow Beast. That would have been acceptable. Right. Marcy's thirsty in this film. I'm just going to put that out there.
1: Oh, she definitely is. But you know Nothing what? i wrong with that either. No, I was just going to say much respect to her because she's putting it out there like, hey, I'm available. I like you. I know you like me. Let's not pussyfoot around here.
0: And not in like a gross, like, right. you know, inappropriate way. She just, yeah, she's direct. She's like, I want to make this happen if you want to make this happen.
1: Yeah. So then we get a scene with the Rangers and this is so much fun. And I really wish that they ran with this. So the younger guy, I keep writing T.S., it's the London brother.
0: His name's Barry, we finally learn in this scene.
1: Barry, right.
0: Ranger Barry.
1: I wrote that down. So he's putting pins in a map where people have disappeared on the ski slopes or whatever. And the older guy is like, who cares? People come up here all the time and get lost. And he says, quote, that the snowboarder that died at the beginning is probably in Paris starting over. What? (laughs)
0: What? I mean, the most direct route to Paris, if you are going to start over, is through Canada. Well. It's known.
1: And he was obviously a young man. And the guy's like, he's hardened from her next girlfriend or money. Running from, from his bills. Right, that's what he says, running from his bills. And I'm like, dude, the guy was like 20 maybe? <laughs> maybe. It was just really funny. Their rapport was great. Well, and this scene was funny to me because I'm thinking, oh, we're going to get the young ranger dragging along his partner who doesn't give any fucks and they're going to go out and do some investigating and their weird banter and they're going to hook up with those four in the cabin and they're going to solve the beast problem. I really thought that Barry was going to wind up being Emmy's love interest or something. It's a better movie. So I'm like, okay, I I can get where this is going. This is going to be fun. Nope, nope, none of it. So
0: just a point you kind of made me think of there is usually in films like this, the younger Emmy character would have some sort of love interest or peer. Right. She has no peers. Her only love interest is like a random guy for a second.
1: And this movie goes against a lot of the tropes really hard, but not in a way that is necessarily fun for the viewer, in my opinion.
0: We're on the same page with that, and there's a note or two we'll get to be, that I wrote. Like, the movie did something I wasn't expecting here. I'm not actually a fan of it.
1: Yeah, they did that a couple times, and I- With these I two know.
0: guys is one big- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And then with one of the main characters later, I was like, uh, some things they set up for the whole movie, and then they either blow it up in your face or just let it fly in the wind.
0: Now we get one of my favorite scenes in the movie coming up.
1: Oh, my God. Do you want to describe it?
0: So we have this truck driving down the road. It's like an old beat-up GMC. The roads here up in Canada, it's snow walls on each side, like two feet high, so very narrow. He stops in the middle of it, to which I said, great, you're stopping in the middle of a road. No one can get by you, whatever. Guy gets out. He's kind of like your your outdoorsy guy in his flannel with his flannel floppy-eared hat. Guy gets out, looks at a map, goes, I'm not lost. I got to pee. So he walks in the wood to pee. As he's peeing, we cut It's a shot from, like, guy looking at the guy's chest upwards. We cut. He clearly sees something to the snow beast's eye staring at him through a hole in a tree watching him pee. It was so great. Oh, the snow beast is such a creep in this movie.
1: (laughs) It was so funny. I laughed. It really is. And that shot of the snow beast, it looked just like the Jim Carrey version of the Grinch, but gray. Yeah, okay. I can see that. It was extra creepy that he was creeping on and peeing. Guy
0: runs away. Snowbeast catches up to him in his truck. Guy tries to get in the locked passenger tour for way too long, which lets the Snowbeast catch up.
1: Oh my god, yes.
0: Snowbeast slap yes. his face yes. murdered.
1: So the Snowbeast smashes the guy's face into the window, and then the blood goes down in a line from the guy's face. And then you see o- mm-hmm. over that the Snowbeast's face.
0: I love it. I love it. So, okay. It reminds me of like one of the bad guys in the Power Rangers show,
1: right? It's obviously a person wearing a suit, mm-hmm. a dingy white gray gorilla suit, complete with nipples, and the face looks like something out of an eighties movie. It looks like a, a puppet. You know what I mean? How the how the mouth was moving. It almost looked like
0: kind of like the turtles movies and stuff right, from like-, like the late eighties. Yeah, it
1: was like a rubbery puppet snout. It was great. I loved it. With red eyes. Oh, I loved it. You guys should Google it and just look at it because I was disappointed. I don't think they should have shown its face.
0: All right. So I did think they show it way too early. We'll post, you know what we'll do? We'll post a picture of it on our Instagram. Right. But I also kind of don't hate that you can see it because the movie's clearly going in on it and being like, this is our snow beast.
1: I don't agree at all. These sort of movies with monsters like this that are stalking people, hiding in the woods, you're seeing the monster vision. You can't see them, or at least all of them, until the very end. You need that payoff, especially if it looks like a demented, oh, I don't want to use that word. I'll use that word. A demented, abominable snowman.
0: That is a great way to describe it. But if you don't show it, you lose all the hilarious times it pops up throughout the rest of the movie.
1: Well, because it just makes it silly. And it's hard for me to feel invested in a movie like this if I'm just laughing Every time the snow beast is on the screen.
0: So why I'm okay with that is this movie wasn't doing it to be funny. I know. Which is why I'm okay with it. If it was trying too hard to be funny, it wouldn't have been fun. But this scene was a great example of a trend throughout the movie. The snow beast popping up out of nowhere, (laughs) preferably over a snowbank to get someone.
1: It does this strange thing where it does the Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees slow walk, and then it runs in slow-mo, and it somehow catches up to the person... The person usually is falling all over themselves, so that's part of the problem. But then it does these little, like, "Eh," slaps at it, and it'll scratch the person's face, and then they'll be dead.
0: Oh, yeah. It's so super strong. It doesn't need to do more than that. It's real dumb. I love you, Snow Beast.
1: So then after that scene, we go back to the four researchers. They're talking about the animals that they're tracking, the links. The transmitters are offline, or they're not working. I wrote here, what are they tracking? Here again, Rob is full of useless information. I didn't even write it down because it's getting to be stupid. And the three of them decide to go out into the field and to leave Emmy at the cabin. Grumpin. I wrote, I wonder what kind of snow beast related shenanigans she'll be getting up to, which requires her rescue. Unfortunately, none. Again, something I thought was going to happen, doesn't it? If anything, this movie is not predictable.
0: I'll give it that.
1: So then we have Dad, whose name we still haven't gotten, even though it's Jim. Dad, Rob, and Marcy are out on the snowmobiles.
0: Olympic music is playing again.
1: It's so strange. It doesn't fit. It's like jovial almost.
0: By the way, these woods are beautiful that they're filming in.
1: Oh, yeah. They're gorgeous.
0: Gorgeous. Gorgeous place.
1: I didn't check, but I wonder if they were actually in the Canadian Rockies.
0: I I bet they're up in Vancouver or something, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. They film a lot of stuff up there. So at this point, I still don't know what kind of animals they're looking for. They're setting up motion.
0: Motion detection cameras.
1: Right. So they turn on when they detect motion. They find a den, but they don't see any tracks or movement, and they find that one camera is broken, and Rob leaves to go back to the cabin to get stuff to fix it.
0: At which point I was like, how is Emmy going to get him in trouble?
1: So we see Emmy at the cabin building a Fruit Loop tower, sort of like Close Encounters of the Third Kind mashed potato tower. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Color-coordinated Fruit Loop tower. Right.
1: So Rob comes back. He like passes her in the living room on his way to go get the keys to the truck or something, and when he comes back, she's gone. And it turns out she's hiding in the bed of the truck while he's driving into town to go get parts for the camera.
0: What her plan is here makes no sense to me.
1: Right. She's going to go from the remote cabin into the town, which has been established. We didn't say it's been established. It's what, like 10 miles?
0: They're way away.
1: It was like 10 miles as the crow flies.
0: Oh, yeah, Rob. What
1: Rob said. And Marcy made fun of him, but it's a, a turn of phrase. It just means if I were to go from here to there with no obstruction, it's this many miles. But they're like way up in the middle of nowhere, so they have to use the roads. And so it takes way longer to get there.
0: Which we'll come back in a play later.
1: Yeah, kind of. Oh, actually, yes, it does. It does. That's
0: right. This whole part of the movie is unnecessary.
1: There's so much stuff that doesn't matter in this movie that could have been used to have the conspiracy theory, Ranger and his partner or something be happening. So then we're back in the woods with Dad and Marcy and it's the Lynx. They're tracking links. I wrote links with lots of explanation (laughs) because at that point, I hadn't known what they were tracking. Marcy says she's been going up for four years. The dad has been going up for longer. They're talking about all their research. They've been requesting to go to Antarctica.
0: Where she flirts hard with him again, being like, we could be me, you, alone, Antarctica. He doesn't respond. She's like, I guess maybe Rob too.
1: And then she's talking about how there's a wealthy family who's wanting to fund their links project. And the dad's like... (laughs) No,
0: none of that scene was necessary.
1: All that it did was to show that Marcy was willing to be a little bit unscrupulous where the dad was not, which later, I guess, comes into play, but it's stupid. Mm -hmm. So Rob is in town and he runs into Barry. I got excited. Right. And this is when we find out the veteran ranger's name is, I wrote Gibbons like Rayland. I don't know. Could be Gibbons with B's. Who knows? I didn't have closed captions. Ian wrote down something that we're not sure is correct. <laughs> we're going Givens. It's like an intimidating airplane moment. That airplane was scary. Rob sees Emmy because they're in the parking lot of the ski resort? Yep. Okay. Getting parts for the camera. Whatever. Rob sees Emmy across the parking lot because she must have jumped out. Chit-chatting with some dude. And he basically just goes and grabs her away from the ski bro. And she's like,
0: cock blocks that dude hard. As he should. Correctly, she's 16.
1: Or whatever. And he's like, what are you doing? How are you going to get back to the cabin?
0: She's like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So the the people in this movie ask legit questions.
0: Rob is on point most of this film.
1: Ellen Emmy also asks legit questions. Mm -hmm. Things that typically are not asked in ridiculous movies like these.
0: So you know what I find interesting is the character change we're going to get from Emmy. This is the last time she's a grumbly teenager. She just turns into like a part of the gang.
1: Right. And she stops being so angsty and pretty much becomes functional and a little bit more self-aware. So this is what I want to say. This is the last time we see the ski resort. We see skiers and snowboarders randomly as they get eaten by the snow beast. Actually, I think the next scene coming up is the last one. I really thought this was going to be one of those ski resort movies, so I can't tell you the level of disappointment I feel.
0: Why on earth would you have thought this was going to be a ski resort movie?
1: Or something.
0: It's like they opened with eight minutes of the ski resort cut.
1: And then that was it.
0: I didn't realize until you just said that right now that we actually don't see it again, and there's like an hour and 10 minutes left in the film. So then we... We get to the hikers.
1: Oh, <laughs> I have some notes about it. So next we cut to two hikers in the woods. They were either cross-country skiing or snowshoeing or something.
0: I think they were snowshoeing or something.
1: She is unhappy. He is having a blast. And the monster is watching them.
0: This monster is everywhere. Right. I wrote at this point, this guy's a menace to these woods.
1: Right. And he seems to travel very quickly from place to place, unless he's chasing you.
0: He's a really fast stalker, really bad chaser.
1: That's a good way to put that. So we see them walking, and all of a sudden, what looks like a giant white Sherpa carpet flies across the screen behind the female, and the man is just gone. (laughs) It's like someone tossed a blanket and knocked him over. I wrote beast grab. And then it swings by again and grabs her. And I wrote
0: hilariously.
1: I wrote, is it a carpet on a rope? Because that's what it looks like.
0: I love, so it like tackles her and it just leaves her two walking poles standing there. It was a
1: good shot. I enjoyed that. But it doesn't tackle her. It's just this. It's like if you got hit by a truck. Right. right. It's, but it's like a fluffy, <laughs> giant blanket just thrown at you and you fall. Snow beast. Oh, it was so bizarre. Okay. So then we're in the truck with Emmy and Rob. They're talking about why the team is studying the links. He's talking about how they hunt. He's saying they're silent. They wait. They get close. They pounce. And so I wrote, is the snow beast a giant mutated lynx?
0: Rob was a little creepy in that conversation.
1: I don't think he was creepy. I think he was trying to explain to her in a serious sort of, I'm a science person and you're not and I'm totally oblivious to it way. Okay. Yep. All right. You know? I'll give you that. So he's basically describing what we have seen the snow beast's behavior to be up until now. Mm Mm-hmm. That doesn't stay that way. So you get back to the cabin. Emmy's dad is there. He's pissed. Rob covers for her and said, oh, she was bored. I just took her into town with me. Then Marcy makes an awful dinner. They all talk about how awful it is. And then Emmy says that she'll cook next.
0: I got really pissed in this scene because they're dumping full on plates into a garbage disposal in the sink.
1: Oh. And I
0: wrote, have they never fucking had a garbage disposal before? How dare you? That's stupid that was irresponsible i got irrationally mad because i've had to fix the garbage disposal in our old house and it's not fun and i had to learn stuff that i wish i'd have to learn and then i broke stuff and had to learn how to fix the stuff i broke so it's a sore spot
1: uh it's gross and then i wrote here because emma emmy i so okay let me explain why i keep flubbing her name i was writing as i was watching And it's hard to rewind on IMDb TV because if you rewind, it usually plays 10 minutes of commercial. So I just didn't want to rewind. So my shorthand for her is either E or M. And so I start to say M and then I go into Emily, but her name is Emmy. Gotcha. So Emmy offers to cook from now on. And the boys are like, oh, great. And I wrote, can't the guys cook? What do they do every other time? They just
0: To be fair, Rob does cook later.
1: Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, in that moment, how come Marcy's the only one who cooks if it's so disgusting and inedible? That's a fair point. Stupid. So then they're all speculating about the Lynx food source, why it's leaving, how it hunts at night. They're all four of them are sitting on the couches and the floor, just chit-chatting after dinner. And then Emmy says to her dad and Marcy, who have like a weird little banter.
0: With Rob sitting in between them.
1: Are you guys together? Or are you dating? And the dad's like, Ermie. and Marcy goes, "Not yet."
0: I respect the hustle. Yeah, and she just gets up. She's like, "I'm going to bed. See you." Like, no big deal.
1: And Rob's like, "Well, that was awkward. I'm going." Rob's to bed. like, "I'm going
0: to go to the trash."
1: And then I thought the funniest thing was that the dad says to Emmy, oh, "I didn't raise you to just blurt things out." <laughs> what does that even mean?
0: <laughs> I got to say nothing. No, come on, no idea. <laughs> Such a
1: weird thing to say.
0: Especially because this is the daughter who he raised who just got expelled for fighting, but he's worried about her blurting things out.
1: I just think it's funny. I don't think anyone specifically raises or teaches a person to not blurt things out. It's very strange.
0: It's a very interesting phrasing.
1: So then the dad is being super awkward and Emmy's just grilling him about Marcy and it's pretty funny.
0: But you can also see they're kind of bonding a little bit over it too. Like she at this point is like repairing her relationship with her dad slowly.
1: So then we see Rob taking out garbage and we hear a growl and he runs back inside. It said growl exclamation point. It is not. No, it's just like. <laughs> or it's like, or it's like when our daughter she goes. <laughs> we cut to the next morning. Listen, there's a lot of nothing happening in this movie, like a lot of setup to nothing. So the next morning, they're checking cameras. They see a little white blur. It's almost like Congo. What was that?
0: No, they don't even go, what was that though? They're like, eh, we got these fancy cameras, but it's a blur, whatever. They pay no attention to this clear, giant humanoid like white figure. I was annoyed by that. I'm like, you think you'd pique some interest at least from these animal tracking researchers. It's very strange. There was
1: no point to that. Then Emmy says, I'm hungry and starts talking more shit about Marcy's food. And I just wrote, what the fuck is with this weird subplot? What is it? It never pays off. I thought maybe she was going to accidentally poison the snow beast or something. Fun.
0: I feel like one of the writer's exes must have been a shitty cook. And this is just them working something out. I don't get it. Makes no sense otherwise.
1: Then we cut to all four of them decide to go out to the woods to check the cameras. So they bring Emmy with them and Emmy finds some Bigfoot looking tracks. And at 31 minutes, 51 seconds is when we find out the dad's name is Jim.
0: I wrote that down too. I was so (laughs) proud.
1: And honestly, 31 minutes isn't that long, especially since she's been calling him dad the whole time. Now, Rob decides to tell them he heard the growl snarl in the woods when he went to put out the garbage last night. Why did he take so long to say it?
0: Rob's methodical. I'll give him that.
1: I think Rob is a little flighty. Well, they're making him out to be that way. So then Rob and Marcy are off to one side talking about the awkward romance between Marcy and Jim. Or like the would-be romance. Because she's totally into it and she's just kind of waiting for him to get it together. And then Jim is showing Emmy a lynx cave or something. And there's a whole conversation about a mother lynx leaving and leaving her cubs behind. And Emmy's like, but why would she do that? And he's like, well, because she thinks they're strong enough to survive on their own. Blah, blah, blah.
0: I didn't write anything about this because it was absolute garbage.
1: Agree. None of it needed to happen.
0: They spent far too much on this mom leaving subplot.
1: It didn't matter at all. Unless the mom was a snow beast.
0: She could be.
1: I really wish yeah, that that's what Spoilers, it was. Spoilers, it's not the
0: mom. It's not. It's just the snow beast.
1: They're back in the cabin at night. There's more links talk. Jim goes to go get wood. He's looking off into the woods.
0: I actually was very impressed that Emmy was the first one to suggest it, something might be eating the lynx, which is why they're no longer there. Because all these scientists are like, right. oh, I wonder why they would have left. Maybe their food source went away. And Emmy's like, what if something's fucking eating it? And her dad's like, that's a nice idea, Emmy. And I was just like, asshole
1: <laughs> in that moment. Right. So Jim goes out to get wood. This is hysterical. <laughs> Jim okay. goes out
0: to get wood.
1: Hey. So this is really funny. He's getting the wood and he's keeps looking up into the darkness in the woods, staring off like he sees something, but apparently he doesn't. And then as soon as he turns, oh my god, the slow rising up from behind a snowbank of the snow beast. I laughed so hard <laughs> out loud. Laughing so
0: good. So it did have a closed caption. There were growls happening in that moment, closed caption wise.
1: There was some growling. So what happens is it very slowly like peeks its head up over the snowbank and goes. Oh, my God. It was hysterical.
0: I love it. That's why I'm all in on them showing the snow beast, because those moments are so good. This guy's snow beast SWAT team. Seriously, I can't think of a monster creature, like not a a Jason or a Freddy who's a humanoid monster, but a monster monster that's been as sneaky as this snow beast.
1: I think there are probably many. I just can't think of them. You just get really invested in whatever you're watching at the time, and you're just very enamored. The next movie we see. Oh, yeah. It's my
0: love for these movies and these genres. (laughs) Like, I love the snow beast. I'll be it for Halloween. You get me that costume, I'll wear it.
1: Don't you tempt me. We can make that happen.
0: I'm trying to tempt you so you make that happen.
1: Okay. Oh, okay.
0: So the snow beast walks up to the house. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you see, we see snow beast vision and it's looking at the garbage and the snowmobiles and the closed caption. So we go inside the house and we see people sleeping. Over them sleeping, it says, destruction noises from outside.
1: (laughs) I wrote, why? Is it mad at them? What happened? They've had no interaction with it yet. Yeah, it's basically just rifling around outside, growling, everybody wakes up, and it smashes up one of the snowmobiles. Why just one? I don't know, maybe it was the closest. It seems to have some sort of intelligence, mm-hmm. but we never get any explanation.
0: But it also seems to have like ADHD because it'll start something and then it'll lose interest. I'm just saying it's flighty.
1: So the dad turns on the light and suddenly a snow beast is gone. There were literally just smashy destruction noises happening, and then all of a sudden it's gone.
0: Yeah, like they're right at the door, like listening through it. They're hearing it. They turn the light on. To be fair, they did set up this creatures fast. Sometimes. <laughs> Unless it's chasing you.
1: situationally,
0: Situational speed.
1: And they also really act like they don't care at all. They're like, oh, you think we get to boss back? <laughs> it was very strange.
0: I would have called the cops, filed a police report, been like, something destroyed my vehicle.
1: Well, Marcy does go to the ranger station to report it just to find out what's going on. They seem disturbed enough to do that. But in the moment, they just blew it off and were like, let's go back to sleep. We'll just go back to sleep.
0: Oh, yeah. Something has ravaged a snowmobile. Not easy to tear apart the way it was torn apart. I would be on edge.
1: Well, not to mention right outside of your very remote cabin.
0: With no cell service.
1: Right, and it destroyed one mode of transportation. So the one note that they have here is they determine that it's walking upright based on its tracks Mm -hmm. for a long period of time. And they keep referring to bears. Oh, well, bears walk upright. And Marcy says correctly, not for that long. Yeah, And the dad's like, oh, maybe I was scared. Okay. So then Marcy says she's going to the ranger station to report it. And then, this is funny, she goes to the ranger station. She meets the two rangers, Heckle and Jekyll. And according to his, what I call, ranger map of conspiracies.
0: (laughs) It's a very Charlie Day-esque tracking map. Yes,
1: exactly. Exactly. It turns out their cabin looks to be ground zero for snow beast activity. Yeah. And I got excited because I'm like, oh, the rangers are going to hook up with them and they're going to have a little thing. No. No. Very disappointed.
0: I wrote at this point, we're at 4119. It's been like 10 to 15 minutes since we'd had a snow beasting. And I I really was disappointed we hadn't had a snow murder.
1: They needed so much more snow murders in this movie and less exposition.
0: They started off pretty rapid fire, like one every like five minutes or so, the first like 10 to 15 minutes. So I was like, okay, keep up that pace. They do not.
1: There's just too much hanging out at the cabin. Got to get that hangout, that
0: fireside talking.
1: Yeah, and messing around with cameras in the woods. You only needed that once or
0: twice. They spend an inordinate amount of scenes. So they have these four computer monitors set up for the cameras in the woods where it's either Emmy or Rob or Dad just looking at them and talking about the nothing that's happened on them.
1: Yeah, and one of the cameras goes down in this next scene and Rob can't fix it. So Jim pops in and is like, all right, let me try. Like, dude, this is your camera guy. But I guess they're trying to set up Rob as dumb. I don't know. They couldn't fix it, so Rob and the dad go on the remaining snowmobile and leave Emmy alone with a radio so they can go fix the camera because Marcy's out at the ranger station in the truck. Now, it's 41 minutes, 16 seconds. We go back to the rangers. (sighs) Yeah, that's about my feeling on this, too. So Barry stops the truck. They're driving their truck. He goes, I see something out there. These are dense
0: woods covered in snow, and he wanders like 100 yards into the woods. Gibbons has the right reaction, being like, fine, go look at it. This guy.
1: Yeah. So he leaves Rayland in the truck. I'm calling him Rayland. I think his last name is Gibbons, but maybe it's Gibbons. Who cares?
0: Let's go with it. Yeah.
1: We get a lot of snow beast frolicking shots because that's what's happening.
0: <laughs> that's exactly what it is. He's sorry, that was really funny.
1: The snow beast is not doing anything, but just frolicking through the snow. He's just running randomly. He's not chasing anything. He's not hunting anything. He's frolicking. He keeps running behind Barry, but apparently he's magically fast because Barry can't see him. He keeps turning around going, oh, oh.
0: Great reaction shots from Jay London.
1: Yeah. So it lasted way too long. He had too many flashing by, jump scary type things happening. And then I wrote, oh, he got snow beasted. I did not expect that at all.
0: I didn't expect it at all. Cause it's a great shot, too. Like he does a final turnaround, and it's right behind him. So we get London being like, oh! and the Snow Beast just, ah, for a moment there. Cause you don't see it happen. I'm like, how's he gonna get out of this?
1: Right. That's what I thought, too. Cause you don't see that he's dead. Cause
0: then we cut back to the truck. Right. And Raylan's like, oh, it's been long enough. Now, Raylan's a very, very large man. So I didn't expect him to get out and trudge into the woods looking for Barry, but he does.
1: Can I also ask, Why is he so dirty? He's wearing a white shirt. It's very frumpy, and it's covered in stains.
0: They made every possible appearance of Raylan
1: doesn't give a fuck. Down to the fact that he doesn't button his uniform. He doesn't clean his shirts.
0: Nope. Doesn't want to hear Barry's conspiracy theories. At one point in the earlier, he was like, quit in time, and he just leaves the office. Raylan's just in it for the paycheck.
1: So he falls and finds Barry's bloody hat. And then we see Snow Beast watching him. Then he falls again, which is a reused <laughs> shot. Why? And he finds Barry's dead body. Oh,
0: it made me so sad when we actually got the visual evidence.
1: And then he gets eaten too. Uh,
0: he gets creepy snuck up on by the Snow Beast, which was one of my favorite kills. Because the Snow Beast, like, slowly is like climbing over his shoulder and you see it, and then he just like pounces on him. It was a good shot.
1: It was really silly.
0: But it was also a really sad moment because there was an hour left in this movie and they were gone.
1: So, from this point on, I didn't understand what direction this movie was taking because I really thought, again, most of these movies are very predictable. So, I was under the assumption that Rayland was probably going to get eaten. I thought he was going to get eaten in the truck while Barry was away.
0: That's what my thought, too, because they they did do a shot back to him, like, waiting for a second while Barry was walking, I think.
1: Right. So I assumed he was going to get eaten in the truck because I really thought that the London brother was going to be a bigger part of the movie and he was going to save the day sort of thing.
0: I'm with you. This was one of the moments where I wrote, this was not what I expected, not a fan.
1: And it's not because, oh... I think Jason London or whichever he is, is a great actor and he should be in this movie. It's because the way they're setting up the characters Mm -hmm. and I don't know, maybe they had to write him out because something happened.
0: Maybe they only could afford him a few days. You know, maybe it was a Brad Dourif situation.
1: Maybe who knows?
0: Speaking of which no Brad Dourif in this film.
1: Why Ian? Why not? I'm sorry.
0: I will correct that mistake.
1: Do you have anything else to add to that? Colossal disappointment? (sighs) Just disappointing.
0: What could have been the theme of this podcast?
1: So then we get them fixing a camera and Rob falls through the thinnest layer of snow into (laughs) the most massive cave. Well, it's, it's actually, I'm sorry. It's not a massive case. He falls through the thinnest layer of snow into a cave. I don't understand. They were out there the day before messing around with the cameras.
0: They had to set the camera up prior.
1: Right. And he just falls through the snow as if they had never walked there before.
0: So there's like bones and blood in this cave. You can see right away. For some reason, this reminded me of the scene in Jeepers Creepers where Justin Long falls down that shaft.
1: Oh, yeah. Into a the little.
0: basement. And like he's stunned at first and then he starts to look around and is like horrified of the place he is.
1: In this cave, there are two very tiny piles of bones with just a little bit of blood.
0: Yeah, there's not a ceiling plastered with the victims and everything. and And a guy wrapped up in a almost dead in a rag but
1: yeah this is a fairly plain ice walled cave with now has a little sunroof where rob fell through
0: yeah i was kind of surprised so the cave is clearly made by the snowbeast for his lair the walls are like perfectly flat cut i was impressed
1: by the architecture
0: it's well made yeah snowbeast has snowbeast has a gift Also, Jim's a dick to Rob when he fell down.
1: Yeah, Jim, like, makes fun of him and is like, I guess I gotta come save you. Yeah,
0: Jim laughs, Rob says, like, that he's hurt, and Jim's kind of like, yeah, no, duh. Rob's like, I'm the one who fell and hurt. Like, yeah, I bet you are.
1: So Rob is stuck in this cave, which is ridiculous because Jim just walks right in through a very wide open passage.
0: Why didn't Rob just try to walk out? Jim's like, I'll come find you. Why wasn't Rob like, well, hold on, there's clear exit right here. I'll just come to you.
1: Right before Jim walks in, we see Emmy. She looks away from the camera as the beast frolics by.
0: She goes, yeah, she goes to fill like her coffee or hot chocolate or something.
1: And then we cut back. Dad is looking for a way to get into the cave to save Rob. And he finds this huge opening that I don't know how they missed before this. One could call it a door almost. And then Emmy sees the snow beast on the camera and she calls the dad on the radio.
0: Emmy is the worst person you could have had watching the screen because she sees a clear gorilla sized snow beast coming. And all she says is, I see something. It's coming towards you. And Jim asks, what is it? And she goes, I don't know. And so he goes, okay, tell me more later. It's very strange.
1: And this whole time, he's standing in the opening to the cave. He's coming toward the camera with an opening behind him. And this really bothered me. So I'm going to harp on this for a second. So he's coming toward the camera with the opening behind him. And then they shoot it again with him going away from the camera Mm -hmm. toward the opening. Like it's a different spot. Like it's not the way he just came in as if it's this is the way into the cavern that Rob is in. So they pretty much built the little cave that Rob is in. They built this little entranceway. And those are the only two sets they had. So they had to just use the entranceway as the entrance exit that they're walking back and Mm -hmm. forth through. And they do it later in the movie, too. And it irritates the heck out of me because it's very obvious.
0: It's clearly not obvious to laymen like myself who didn't catch it. So then Emmy gets back on the radio and is like, it's gone from camera two to camera three. And now it's in camera four. And it's a giant gorilla-like thing.
1: And we see it dancing past the cameras, basically.
0: Like, it doesn't know they're there. It's hilarious. I love the stobies.
1: Then Rob and Jim are reunited. They find the snowboarder from the beginning frozen in the corner of the cave. Just kind of got some snow thrown on him. And he's blue. And his eyes are open. And
0: he's dead. And they're like, oh, we found the snowboarder
1: he doesn't look hurt at all. So it's confusing.
0: Yeah, because he was hit in the face too. That's weird. I did say, so Emmy's watching all this happen. She actually did a decent job of emoting like fear watching these screens.
1: Yeah, most of the actors in this were good. Yeah. So then she's telling them on the radio, it's coming toward the cave. It's coming right near them. Jim and Rob start to run back where Jim came from. Meanwhile, there's an opening in the cave that kind of goes, there's a step and then it goes up. Why didn't they go that way?
0: I noticed that, and every time, because they'll be back in the cave later, I kept thinking the same thing. I'm like, why don't you go out the way that's right there? Right. It's really weird. That's like every horror movie, like, oh, you're in a haunted mansion. Why don't you just break open a window and get out right here? No, I've got to run down this spooky hallway, and yeah.
1: Yeah. It makes the movie more interesting, I guess. We have a little montage of cuts of the snarling beast, and then the men running, snarling beast, men running, or oh, snarling running, snarling running. This movie suffers from prolonging the anticipation or suspense because it goes on for way longer than it needed to, back and forth between the two. It only need to happen once or twice.
0: So they get away on the snowmobile after a couple like pulls.
1: And then as they're pulling away on the snowmobile, we get a slow mo, full body, angry snow beast growl, arms in the air going a plus. A -a 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 -a
0: -a 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 plus.
1: I laughed out loud again. So good. I don't laugh out loud so much in a lot of movies. The only thing I really laugh out loud at tend to be things like, you know, Schitt's Creek or Psych or whatever. This movie made me laugh out loud more times than a normal movie would. Good. But not in a way that I think is really a good thing.
0: (laughs) So they get back to the cabin and they're looking at the footage
1: Everybody's arguing about whether they're going to stay or go. The dad is like, we're fucking out of here. Get me the fuck out of here with my kid. Correct. And Rob is on the same page and Marcy is not.
0: This is a point where I finally wrote, this movie is really lacking in hilarious one-liners. There aren't really any funny lines in this movie. It's all very generic dialogue which is what keeps it from me. I enjoyed it back in the day. I enjoyed this viewing of it, yeah. but it felt like something was lacking. And I think it really was a lot of the dialogue.
1: I think that it took itself very seriously. Yeah. Which is fine, except then you can't ever see the Snow Beast because it's so hysterical.
0: I really feel like someone on set should have at some point been like, guys, this is awesome, but that thing's hilarious. It's not scary at all.
1: So here we get a little heartfelt-ish moment in the kitchen with Jim, the dad, and Emmy. Mm -hmm. And then he is shown, like, tucking her in on the couch and giving her a kiss on the head. I guess it's like showing that their relationship is getting better. Yeah. Then there's more arguing between Jim, Marcy, and Rob. Jim and Rob want to leave. Marcy wants to stay. She is really into, this is a brand new discovery. This is going to affect our research. We're never going to have to worry about funding again.
0: They're all like, we just ran from this thing. It's trying to kill us. We're out of here.
1: Right. Then Rob suggests that maybe it's a Yeti. You know, quote, an abominable snowman. Jim laughs at him. Marcy's in. She's like, oh, tell me more. And then Marcy coins the term at 53 minutes, 53 seconds, a snow beast.
0: Because Jim's giving Rob a hard time because he's like, weren't the yetis from the Himalayas? How would they get here? And Marcy goes, maybe it's a distant cub co- cousin, you know, maybe a snow beast. <laughs> I that was one of the few lines I wrote down. I was like, all right, that's where it came from.
1: So it's showing that she's very concerned about the funding and the money and the fame. And so I wrote a note. Are they trying to make her unlikable here? And it turns out later, I think they probably were. But it, it's not really very successful because she, she's doing what a lot of researchers would probably do. So then Jim is making the argument why they're leaving. He wants them all to be safe. You know, there's only one car, so they all have to go. not just going to leave you with no transportation.
0: Like a snowmobile 10 miles from town.
1: I think it's more than 10 miles. I think I'm making that up, that it was only 10 miles. Doesn't matter. Then Marcy, I wrote this quote down. You're basing your decision off of fear. This is science. Leave emotion out of it. As she leaves emotion out of her entire performance in this scene.
0: One could almost say this film.
1: And then suddenly she just was like... She
0: flipped a switch.
1: Yeah. And that's why I think they're trying to make her unlikable. Yeah. I also wrote, first of all, you're allowed to be afraid in science because sometimes it's scary.
0: (laughs) So we're going to strap to this giant rocket and launch it toward the heavens, but don't be afraid.
1: I also appreciate that Rob flat out says, I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm scared and I want to go the fuck home.
0: I like, and there's another scene later where he says the same thing. He's like, I'm scared. I I don't have to be the one who's saying everything's going to be okay. This is terrifying.
1: He's not into toxic masculinity. Good on Rob. It comes up later too. So then they have a quick little blurb from Jim about how fear is fight or flight. It's a survival mechanism, which I appreciate because it's real.
0: Minus the whole Yeti's second cousin thing. Most of the science is not terrible in this.
1: Well, because they don't really get deep enough to make it terrible. And I think that's a good thing.
0: That's a very smart decision.
1: So everyone's asleep on couches. I don't know if they're taking a nap or they fell asleep there for the night. And Marcy is shown sneaking out with a tranquilizer gun and her camera. And then this is where I wrote, this would have been way more fun with Ranger involvement.
0: 100%. Absolutely. Because you could have had that whole argument scene with the non-scientists and they could have been explaining those things to him and it would have made more sense organically.
1: They could have been having that whole argument with the rangers and his conspiracy theory board. I'm not going to give up that I think they made a big mistake getting rid of them.
0: Oh, great. I, You don't have to convince me. I'm, I'm with you.
1: To our listeners, I'm not giving up. I will die on this hill.
0: This is where you will slip and fall a million <laughs> times like everyone else in this film.
1: Right. So then we see Marcy arriving in the woods. She drove the truck there. I have the same hat she's wearing, not very warm for the Canadian Rockies. And then she's taking random pictures of trees and snow.
0: So I love this. So she walks, she gets out of the truck on a road, walks for a while. This is a very wide open wilderness. So the moment she stops to take pictures happens to be the exact hill that the Yeti pops up or the snow beast pops up over
1: again this is where he does the slow rise up from behind a hill except this time he's chewing on a bloody arm and he's like he's like annoyed he he was interrupted it was so hysterical again i wrote i laughed out loud did you have something you wanted to say
0: no this scene was perfect the snow beast is glorious and every time he's introduced
1: There's a slow-mo chase scene here, and she just is falling over and over again, and the Snow Beast is behind her slow-mo running. It's so strange, and it takes, again, forever.
0: I don't know how she gets away as far as she does, because she has horrible footing, keeps falling, but she makes Mm -hmm. it all the way back to the truck, which we've
1: established was a long way away. It's because the Snow Beast was running in slow motion.
0: (laughs) That has to be it, yeah. He was Baywatch running behind
1: her. Right. So then we get a cut to Jim waking up on the couch and he notices that Marcy's boots are missing. And I wrote, is he the most observant man alive? Because Ian, <laughs> as my husband, you would never notice that my boots are missing ever.
0: To be fair, you have 700 pairs of boots. So to notice one was missing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, that's also fair. I am not observant of that kind of stuff.
1: Then we cut back to Marcy. She's in the truck. She keeps dropping the keys. My eyes were rolling out of my head.
0: If we could leave this in the 20s or 90s, the whole I'm shaking my fingers too much to put the keys in the ignition thing.
1: I understand being afraid and you shake, you have a little tremor. But it took forever. She dropped the keys like five times and her hands were shaking. And oh, my God.
0: On the bright side, push button ignitions are going to really help people get away from monsters.
1: That is very true. So then we get a cut back to Jim. He wakes up Rob on the couch to go save Marcy, apparently.
0: Because in his mind, he's like, all right, she's clearly off to do something. It's got to be Snowbeast. She's going to be in trouble.
1: So then we cut back to Snowbeast punching through the window. Was awesome. And then he rips Marcy out and tosses her like a rag doll. Oh my God, it was
0: great. It was so good.
1: It was so funny. Then the Snowbeast oh, yeah. picks her up this is new behavior for the snow beast. He's holding her up by the neck, choking her slowly, and then he smashes her down on the truck. What is that chokes? Is it a choke slam?
0: That's a choke slam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To- oh, yeah. I
1: know a little bit of the wrestling.
0: What you didn't get to see was Sam's over the top choke slam gestures, which were on point.
1: I've done a choke slam or two in my time. I do not doubt it. I'm kidding. That was a joke. I've never done that to my siblings. Maybe one. <laughs> he deserved it. So here I wrote, well, she's super dead. Yeah. Which is very surprising.
0: Because you had the fake animated blood gushing out of her head when she hit the truck.
1: And so I wrote, wait, is the snow beast Kim the mom? Is she mad? Because that would have been an amazing twist.
0: So this was one of those points in the movie where they set up the relationship with the dad like this was going to be the new partner Mm -hmm. that I like with our ranger friends was absolutely taken aback when she was killed here.
1: Right, I assume she'd be a damsel in distress. And the fact that they're making these very weird choices makes me wonder what happened because I'm sure it wasn't written this way originally.
0: It makes no sense. That's or the if thing. it
1: was, it was purposefully to go against tropes and to do twists.
0: Yeah, the M. M. Like Night, Shaman, M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Because there are so many things that are just so close to being a logical story if they just made slight changes. Um... But she's super dead.
1: Yeah. I thought for a second that maybe they were going to bring her back, but the amount of blood gushing, yeah that would have been hard to come back from. So then we cut to the men arriving at the truck, seeing it totally smashed up with blood all over it. And then Rob's in front of it, insisting on trying to get it to work. He's talking about trying to lift the hood, and then the blood is gone at this point. I got nothing. I don't know what happened to it. It evaporated. So to me, this was very practical. Oh, we need to get our vehicle working so we can get the fuck out of here. But it brings a story to a dead stop because we spend about a minute, which is not long, but it's long in movie time, trying to open the hood and start the car. And I'm like, we don't need to do this. So we cut back to Emmy in the cabin and she's seeing the snow beast dragging Marcy through the snow.
0: (laughs) Her lifeless doll of a corpse. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And she's horrified. She gets on the radio and tells her dad, nobody's sad. The dad knew this woman and was practically in a relationship with her for at least four years, we find out. Not in a relationship for that long, but in a working friendship relationship
0: there were bonds of human contact together
1: and they just are sort of flippant oh okay it
0: was weird you would think there would be some sort of emotion
1: yeah it was silly
0: so they go back to the cabin they have a brief argument where rob's like i'll be the one to go into the town on the snowmobile," and jim's like i'm the leader of this expedition i will not let anyone else die on my watch you stay here with my daughter i'm gonna go in And then he goes, all right, you have two choices then, because Rob knows the area, it seems. You can follow the roads, or you can go through the woods. To which I wrote, follow the fucking roads, Jim. You don't not know the woods, and the monster lives in these woods. Yeah. But of course, he's like, well, save me four to five miles. Oh, it's faster. It's not about speed here. That's not a lot. It's not a lot on a snowmobile, and it's not necessarily about speed. You've been safe in the house. It's about not dying.
1: You're going to be slower in the woods because of the impediments as opposed to the road. Mm-hmm. And as you said, that's the snow beast's fucking lair that you're going to drive your stupid-ass snowmobile through. What are you thinking? You dum-dum. Dum-dum. Dumb. He's going straight through the woods. And he's going very slow. I was getting irritated. <laughs> I would be ripping through there, you know? Kind of urgent. So he's, you know, he's going to get help because the satellite's not working still. And he says to Rob, get the satellite working. Nothing ever comes of the satellite.
0: No, it's just like a satellite dish on a stick in a woods that they fiddle with a couple times that never works.
1: Emmy is monitoring him on the camera. On the walkie. I thought they were watching him on the...
0: No, because they're only have four cameras and he's like taking these trails through the woods.
1: Oh, okay. I thought they were watching him on at least one of them. So then Jim comes to a point in the trail where there's a tree across it. So he stops.
0: I wrote snow beast trap.
1: Right. That's what I thought. Did the snow beast set that trap?
0: I mean, if I was a snow beast, I totally would leave traps like that.
1: Well, yeah, but then that means the snow beast has more intelligence than we gave it credit for.
0: I think there's a possibility.
1: That would have been more interesting.
0: I mean, it knew to destroy the the snowmobile.
1: Why not give us a little bit more of that? Is it half human? Is it an alien? I don't fucking care. I need something to explain why this thing is intelligent.
0: We're going to just come out and address it right now for all our listeners. You will never know anything about the origins of this snow beast because we didn't.
1: I feel like it's been pretty clear that that's not going to happen. So...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I know. I know know you got to prep for this one. We leave this in. She's trying. She's looking at her notes. This this next moment is glorious, and she's trying to put it together, but she can't.
1: So the dad is looking at this tree across the trail, and then we cut to the woods because he looks up to the woods. The snow beast is just standing there like a mannequin. <laughs> growling
0: loudly. Arms above its head.
1: It was so hysterical. It looked like someone just put the suit on a mannequin and just stuck it on the hill. And they were just filming it from wherever they were standing. It was so hysterical. And I wrote, it's a common. (laughs) That
0: was such a good shot. I really, really love the shots of the snow beast in this movie.
1: So the dad is driving again. He just totally bypasses the tree.
0: don't know why I didn't do that in the first place, but.
1: My question here is, how hungry is this snow beast? He must be starving.
0: I actually want to go on a limb and say he's just really resourceful and he knows he can freeze food in his cave. So he's just always stockpiling. He's like a squirrel snow beast.
1: But we've only seen him stockpile one tiny scrawny snowboarder at this point.
0: I mean, maybe it's just the start of his season. I'm thinking too deep for this movie.
1: Then we get a random snowmobile montage.
0: Of like, like the, the forest seems like getting tighter on him because he's like panicking.
1: I thought it was just him driving erratically. I mean, it could be that way too, but I just didn't, that was not my perception of what was happening.
0: My thought was he went off the trail and was now like on his own navigating through trees. So he was kind of like out of control a bit, but also panicking because the snow beast is coming.
1: Oh, maybe. I feel like that's giving this film too much credit. Yeah. Listen, we'll go with your version of events. And then for some reason in this montage, Jim is standing on the snowmobile as he's driving it and smashes his face on a branch and flies backward off of the snowmobile.
0: So telegraphed to in the shot.
1: So then he flies off. The snowmobile gently coasts down this very small hill and apparently explodes. <laughs> like surface-to-air missile
0: explosion.
1: Back at the cabin, they see a giant cloud of black billowing smoke. This is at one hour, six minutes, and one second. I just figured we needed to like throw a timestamp in. They're at the cabin. They see this massive smoke column. That snowmobile was gen. It was, an, it was a Yamaha, like your normal snowmobile. It was Polaris, it was, actually.
0: It was a Polaris. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Madam Snowmobile has has ruled.
1: Rob and Emmy freak out. Obviously,
0: it rolled into like an ammunition dump, right? Because it's the only thing that explained that explosion. That's what it looked like. So we see Jim roll off it and get up for a second and his face not damaged at all after going headfirst into this branch.
1: Yeah, well, you know, maybe it was a small branch that launched him.
0: Maybe his hair protected him.
1: Listen, he has a long legacy with that hair. Do you remember what Bo Duke's hair looked like?
0: I never saw Dukes of Hazzard.
1: Uh, I used to watch it as a kid, like reruns on Nickelodeon or whatever it was way back in the day. So then we see the snow beast. He's, again, just chilling behind a hill. Did they have a puppet with the top half that they used for most of it? Because the bottom half of his body is obscured unless he's doing one of those full bodies standing far away going, rah, shots. It was very strange. He was made out of a blanket, so I get it. So he's just growling with his head sticking up from a snowbank. And the dad is trying to get the trank darts because he doesn't have the gun. So he has to stab him with them.
0: I wrote, is he going to throw track darts like darts at him? I would have been so
1: he didn't. I would have. It was so great. He's holding, he's like. Ah, ah. Well, he's trying to get them out of this locked plastic container. The darts aren't put together. He has to put them together. All the while, the snow beast is very slowly shambling toward him, growling gently. And then it comes up to the dad and he slaps him like a bitch.
0: One word. It was great. is what I said. Like a
1: bitch. It said Snowby's bitch slap number three. And he's out. There's a little blood and whatever. We know that he's not dead.
0: Yeah, there's no way. It just would make sense.
1: If they did, it would have been real stupid, but there's just a little I mean, bit of blood. but
0: part of me was like, Well, they've made some real stupid right. character murder decisions, so Yeah. There's always a chance.
1: So they go back to the cabin, Emmy and Rob are trying to get him on the radio and they can't. Here I wrote, the dad's not dead, I'm sure of it. I hope that doesn't mean Marcy isn't dead, because that would be dumb. Even though I was confused by their choice. Once you kill somebody with that much blood, you can't come back from it.
0: Yeah, unless you're like Jason Voorhees coming back from the dead. I wrote at this point, this is the first time I actually noticed the purple stripe in Emmy's hair. (laughs) I was disappointed.
1: So then we see Rob and Emmy fixing the truck, which means that they walked to wherever the truck is. Which is kind of far away because Marcy had to drive there. That seems pretty dangerous. I mean, they didn't have really any other choice. I guess. So they get the first aid kit from the truck and they're walking back to the cabin.
0: We get a random shot just for a second of Jim in the snow cave being like, oh, all right, he's unconscious, but we're showing you his body. So maybe he's still alive kind of thing. Yeah, it's pretty dumb.
1: Then we get a short shot of Rob in the woods at night, fiddling with the satellite dish. And I wrote, has he learned nothing? And the snow beast is watching him. We get snow beast vision. And then he's back in the cabin with Emmy, and he makes a comment about it's snowing harder. We have to stay another night. Then they're arguing about going to find her dad. But since it's nighttime, it's way too dangerous, so they're not going to do it. And she is the angstiest here. Rob has cooked dinner. He's serving Emmy. She says she's not hungry. He puts her plate aside. I am saying this because it does come back later, and it's actually kind of funny. Very briefly. They're speculating about where her dad is. She goes to the window, opens the blinds.
0: Which leads us to one of my favorite shots of the film.
1: The snow beast is right there. So good. Did you hear me laugh at this when I was watching it? No. But it made me,
0: I'm not surprised, it made me so happy. Because they telegraph it, a, like you get a second or two of walking through the window, I'm like, Snow beast is going to be behind there, isn't he?
1: I wrote, she opens blinds and Snow Beast is there, duh. So good. So I've laughed out loud multiple times in this movie. I belly laugh hard <laughs> at the moment, especially because the Snow Beast does not have a sinister bone in its body. He's a, he's a creeper. It's so hysterical looking. It's just funny. It's so good. So Emmy and Rob run up, barricade themselves in a room. They shove a dresser in front of the door, a la Earl. They have the
0: trank gun now from the car when they went to fix it. Right.
1: Then the snow beast is slow-mo walking into the cabin and just start smashing everything.
0: But all you see is its slow-mo feet walking over the door threshold.
1: <laughs> then we see its slow-mo feet gently walking up the stairs. Not smashing up the stairs. It's very gently walking up the stairs. And then it starts trying to smash through the door to get to Emmy and Rob. And it is smashing the door like, oh,
0: yeah. It was
1: going to come through the wall.
0: Well, that's what I said. So it smashes the door for a couple minutes and it stops. And then my thought was, it's coming through the wall, isn't it?
1: But then it just starts smashing the door again. And this is another moment of, this is just too long. It's too much. Yeah. It's smashed for so long, then it stopped, and then it started smashing again for too long. Yep. It's just too. It's just too long. Too many things that are too
0: long. It's particularly too long because it doesn't pay off. The snow beast just loses interest, right, and goes away. Like they successfully thwarted it by putting a dresser in front of a door.
1: So then, at some time later, they're still in the room they have a little bit of a callback to their truck conversation about the lynx hunting and how they hunt. And they're talking about how they, because it's nighttime. Oh, I wonder if the snow beast is more active at night. And they're like, no, but it's been active during the day, blah, 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 whatever. Rob is being sort of scientific and saying this is its pattern of behavior, blah, blah, blah. And Emmy says to him, you're supposed to be brave and comforting. And he is unapologetically not. He says, I'm afraid. I'm going home. I don't give a shit. And I love it.
0: I love it. He's not afraid to tell you how he feels, even if it's not necessarily what you'd expect.
1: Right. All the while being protective of her as her father asked him to do. Mm -hmm. Very loyal. Mm -hmm. He's been helpful. He's been
0: logical, too.
1: He's been very logical. And he, up until this point, he's the only character I give any fucks about. Yeah. So then this is where we get Emmy asking a very real question, talking about her dad probably being dead. And she says, what am I supposed to do when I get home? What is my life going to look like? Like, I'm a teenager without parents.
0: And Rob gives the most real answer you could give there. I don't know. Right. I don't know.
1: And to me, I like that they put that in there because nobody talks about that shit. You have these horror movies where entire families are wiped out. People's livelihoods are destroyed. And nobody talks about it. It's so strange. We cut to the morning. And I have a question. Mm -hmm. So Emmy has really good hair. It's kind of curly, wavy. It's really pretty. It still looks really good. How? I mean, obviously it's a movie. But her hair looks real good.
0: Girl takes care of herself. What can I say?
1: I just liked it. I needed to comment on it. So they go downstairs, Emmy and Rob go downstairs, and they find the house just wrecked, and he makes a comment. Oh, it ate your dinner. (laughs) (laughs) It ate the dinner he put aside for her. It was pretty funny.
0: Like you said earlier, this is a hungry snow beast.
1: Yeah, I guess. Well, that was my thought, too. You ate all those people, and then you ate her pitiful little dinner. What's that all about?
0: Making a point.
1: So here is where Emmy makes a good suggestion. She says, why don't we go to its cave and see if my dad's there alive and try to save him? Rob says, we're going to need an offense.
0: Which I think is one of the smarter approaches to a situation like this in a movie. Oftentimes you'll be like, all right, let's go to the basement of the chainsaw house where the chainsaw guy is. We're going to bring a candle. (laughs)
1: Here's where we get a really fun Kevin McAllister-like montage Montage. setting up their traps and MacGyvering weapons, complete with a voiceover of what their plan's going to be. It was pretty funny. It seemed very out of place. It didn't mesh with the movie very well, but I liked it.
0: Yeah, this is the one part where the movie kind of hit where I think its sweet spot is. And the rest of the movie should have been like where it wasn't as serious.
1: Right. So at this point, we're around one hour, 18 minutes in, which means we only have about 15 minutes left of the movie, which is unfortunate that this is where it hit its sweet spot. This should have been an hour ago.
0: Right after the snowboarding opening.
1: So then we wind up having them pulling behind them the lid to a garbage can tied to a rope filled with meats. Pretty much snow beast chum. Yes, actually. I think that's the best description. So they're doing that to attract the snow beast so then they can shoot it with the tranq gun. They then decide they're going to hide up a tree, which Mm -hmm. earlier in the movie, multiple times when there were people in the woods running from the snow beast or the snow beast is coming at them. My first thought was climb a fucking tree, dude. It's
0: worth a shot. You're not going to outrun it.
1: Right. Maybe it climbs up the tree, but then you have the high ground and poke it in the eye with a stick or something. I don't know. This is just how my mind thinks. Then we get another Robin Emmy Heart to Heart. I wrote Emotional Tree Time. Where she's talking about how she doesn't care about her mom being gone and The snow bee starts to show up
0: and this is the first time we see it from behind. I wrote, What the fuck is with its crazy spine?
1: That was the back of the suit being open.
0: Had to be, right? Had to be. Because you see this huge, like, dark black strip down the middle of it.
1: Was unzipped or not Velcroed or the person playing him was far too large and couldn't fit. <laughs> I suit. thought it was a stick. I can't. Eat. <laughs> like, come on. You can't miss <laughs> some. You're shooting from behind. You can't miss that detail. So the snow beast is sniffing around the meat and they shoot him or Rob shoots him with the trank. And he just slaps it (laughs) off. She's like, whatever, get out of (laughs) here. And goes back to the meat. He wants more meat. Then he gets shot three more times and starts to kind of fall. Yeah, We don't see it actually pass out on the ground or anything. So then Rob and Emmy get down from the tree and they run in slow-mo, of course. That's the only way anyone runs in this movie.
0: Well, the only way anyone runs without slipping and falling all over the snow.
1: As one does. I kind of truncated this a lot because there's nothing happening here. So they get to the cave, and we see them in that entryway, walking back and forth, stupidly. And they find dead Marcy, just laying there.
0: They don't really care all that much.
1: She's on the only cave set they have. They have two small cave sets.
0: They go into the next room, they find her dad.
1: Right, they go to the room that Rob had fallen into earlier. And there's Jim. He's still alive, obviously. He's unconscious. For like a day and a half now? Right, it has some snow on him, and he's purpley. And they just touch him, and he's wide awake, and he jumps up. Yep. And I wrote, yes, because that's how hypothermia works.
0: If only people had known this beforehand, the lives we could have saved. Let's talk about what really matters. Cave showdown.
1: Very quickly, the beast arrives. Okay, before we get into this, I have to say how incredibly frustrating, disappointing, And overall stupid this whole next part is to me. Yes. It made me angry.
0: Everything about this made me angry. Except for the snow beast. (laughs) (laughs) Not his fault that what happens, happens.
1: So Emmy and Jim run away and leave Rob in the cave. Listen, Rob pulls out a knife and tells them to run. He's going to knife fight this motherfucker.
0: I fucking love Rob.
1: They run away. Without a second thought. Don't even look back. Never look back, in fact. Ever. Ever.
0: Nope. Never. They don't even mention Rob in the cave again.
1: No, never. So then...
0: Shouldn't Jim be like, I'm injured. I'm in a bad way. Let me try to save these two younger people. No. No, he doesn't.
1: So then the knife gets slapped out of his hand. He picks up a femur to go at the snow beast. Gets a whack in. He, Yeah, he tries to bone fight it. And then poor Rob, he just got left and the beast is just ripping him up. Yeah. And then it scratches him in the face and he dies.
0: I liked how it did pull out. Like, so it it hits him, knocks him to the floor. He's like reaching for the knife and we get a snow beast stomp for a second. Like, he's like, I do have legs. I can use them. But then he's like, I'm a a wreck you with my hands.
1: Yeah, I was very disappointed. So they said, I'm putting my notes aside for a minute to rant a little. They set Rob up as this lovable doofus from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. I assumed he would die early on when he didn't. And his character switched to, you know, the loyal savior of Emmy and protector and brave guy who gets into a knife fight with the Yeti to try to save them. And then they give him the most boring, stupid death and they never talk about him again. And I don't understand what was the point of building his character, giving him all that development, making him into somebody that you actually are a little bit invested in, as invested as you could be in a movie like this, making him into a more important character, probably the most important character, Mm -hmm. besides Emmy. They're like the two leads at this point, because the dad is a lead, obviously, but this guy, Rob, they've given him so much time and they've obviously put a little energy
0: He said the most character evolution or development. Well, he and Emmy equal, yeah. I assumed once he and Emmy got out of the house scrape that either he and Emmy or he and Emmy and Jim were all going to make it.
1: Yes, absolutely. I thought he would get into the knife fight and one or both of them would be like, Mm -hmm. fuck this, we have to go back and save Rob.
0: Like Jim was going to hit it over the head from behind or something. Which, hey, why didn't you try that? Like, you won't let any members of your team die and then you just abandon him.
1: Yeah, So he was definitely abandoned in every way possible and it was incredibly disappointing and it made me angry.
0: So does the ending of this
1: movie. So at this point, there's nine minutes left and I wrote, how the fuck is this going to be resolved?
0: A very fair question at this point. So. I thought the Snow Beast might win at this point.
1: If the Snow Beast won, I'd, I would have been very happy. It would have made everything forgivable. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of the movie is the snow beast wins, right? Yeah. If they killed off every meaningful character and left the snow beast, the victor at the end, I would have been totally fine with that.
0: I would have also been okay with the snow beast is fine and Emmy is fine in like a valent last-minute thing. She gets away while her dad sacrifices himself. Would have been okay with that.
1: It was very silly. So then they're running through the woods in the longest chase scene ever, and I wrote, Come on.
0: With her dad limping along and just
1: They're just falling. They're just falling in the snow over and over. And the snow beast is frolicking after them. He really loves a good frolic. Does. She rolls down the hill.
0: (laughs) At one point I saw that. Yep.
1: And the dad is up the hill. And I wrote, is he stuck? And then, oh, never mind. He's hiding behind the tree. I thought he was stuck because he was just standing there. Emmy finds a flare gun in the bag.
0: Which I think they actually did set up when she and Rob were packing for their... They were
1: home aloneing yeah.
0: yeah, I think they actually did set that up. So she pulls out the flare gun, and in my mind, I'm like, there's one acceptable thing here. They shoot the Yeti, he catches on fire. Okay, fine. That would have made sense, somewhat.
1: Right. So she shoots it, or she shoots at it. And it just rattles some snow around. The dad rolls down the hill. He grabs the flare gun from her. He shoots above the snow beast and causes a massive avalanche.
0: Massive.
1: Insanely massive
0: avalanche. To which they, as it's starting to come down,
1: hide behind a tree. The tiniest tree. I wrote, nope. (laughs)
0: i also wrote this is science failing this is where they failed science here
1: and then the avalanche is gone they're not touched at all there's some little flurries flying in front of their face and the dad gets the high five he's wanted the whole film
0: we forgot to say early on he asked for a high five she wouldn't give it to him she finally does their relationship's okay
1: i wrote ugh
0: so then they cut to they're back at their house
1: we have a stunning mountain vista.
0: Oh, my mistake.
1: And then they're back at their
0: house. So then they're back at their house, and there's a magazine being like, they survived the ho- snow hoax, and like, no one believes them, and they just have a little jokey moment. Nothing Anything in that scene matters, other than they're happy with each
1: other. Something does matter here. She says one of the kids at school drew a picture of a snow beast, and it's a, a killer snowman. She was punched him. And the dad was like, oh, Jeremy. And she's like, don't worry, the teacher didn't see. <laughs> and I wrote, well, she hasn't learned anything.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Rob's death was, was wasted.
0: Yeah. So then we cut back to another pair of hikers hiking through the snow. And the guy sits down and he thinks he hears a rumbling. And out of the snow, Snowbeast grabs him by the face and pulls him in. Cut. Movie's done. I need Snowbeast too. I need it.
1: No one needs Snowbeast 2, Ian. My initial reaction I wrote down was, well, that happened. <laughs> Did you have anything else you want to add?
0: I love the Snow Beast. I, it makes this movie for me. I can watch this once every 10 years just to see that costume. But that's, it's not something I would watch like a cult classic frequently. God, no. The Snow Beast squat team is absolutely worth his great appearances.
1: If they made a movie called Snow Beast Swat Team, that was sort of like the LL Cool J Colin Farrell SWAT movie, which was terrible, by the way. If they replaced them with Snow Beasts, I'd watch that movie.
0: Nobody's steal our idea. Nobody steal their idea for Snowbee's SWAT team.
1: Trademark, right? Unless
0: yeah. you're Asylum Productions, please make Snowbee's SWAT team. So, Sam, I think for all that, it's, it's time for the question.
1: Do I like this? Well, <laughs> it's a loaded question.
0: Is, this week, it is a loaded question.
1: So, here's the thing. Perfectly fine acting. Most of the pacing was pretty good. The chases were obviously, the pacing was terrible. The budget looked like it was fine. It was good enough. There was nothing really technically wrong with it, but it wasn't really that fun. The Snow Beast was too silly. It was way too silly. It needed to be more sinister. They should have not showed it as much as they showed it. They could have used more of the Conspiracy theory Ranger storyline. They served literally no purpose. Absolutely no purpose. You could cut them completely out and it wouldn't matter.
0: Honestly, you could cut the whole snowboarder part out and they could have just been coming up here looking for their links and their links are gone and the plot would have worked just fine.
1: Yeah, the whole whole ski resort, none of that mattered. None of it mattered. There was so much ancillary shit in this movie that it's frustrating. The weird personality quirks of Marcy and Rob with she's a bad cook and he has too much useless information. Rob's throwaway death.
0: Marcy's throwaway death, I mean
1: was so bizarre there were so many underutilized moments characters settings i needed more ski resort i needed more snow beast kills less snow beast face and body
0: i think we just needed to rewrite on the script i think the bones are there the snow beast and his stealth and his appearances are amazing just needed to streamline this film
1: it also needed to decide whether it wanted to be a comedy or not because the snow beast scenes were too comedic. Yeah. This needed
0: to be a Sharknado Because the approach. scenes
1: with the non-snow beasts, a.k.a. the humans, <laughs> right, um, they're too serious, too rooted in fact. And then you have this silly, frolicking snow beast with a magical speed sometimes. It just was very bizarre. It was very bizarre. It was totally watchable. It was fine. It wasn't fun. And I feel like for these movies, it has to meet that criteria. It has to be fun. And this just wasn't doing it for me. So I'm going to have to say I don't like it.
0: All right. Well, you heard it here first. Well, thank you guys for joining us this week. Uh, We hope you enjoyed. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, stay off the ski slopes and uh, have a great one. Bye. Bye.
1: All right, baby's awake. Want me to come back down?